Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by Jalen Utsi, Kyle Stein, and me, Michael Kimball. We are in NBA suspension, and so we are going to move back to May 28th, 1989, a lot of years before Ada is born, and we're going to talk about Game 4, 1989 Western Conference Finals. The Lakers are up 3-0 over the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Spoiler alert, the Lakers win 122-117. It's not what's interesting about this game. The final outcome is not the interesting part. But there are just a million NBA basketball tidbits, weird bits, facts moving forward, going backward. We're going to see some short shorts. We're going to see Magic's blue knee pads, Pat Pat Riley's hair, and the suit they won't stop talking about. The pointer sister, the pointer sisters jump keeps playing over the arena, uh, inter, or, you know, speakers. We have tube socks pulled all the way up. We have we have Brent Musburger on the mic and Bill Rafferty. And but the thing, as soon as I heard Bruce, I can't even say his name right now, Brent Musburger, I realized that guy was a part of my childhood from the very beginning. He started at CBS announcing in 1973, which was, I was six years old. I was just watching sports on TV in a way I could remember. And I've been listening to Brett Musburger for most of my life. It was a really sort of odd thing, this voice that is so distinctive uh, just going back and hearing it. So had a weird little uh, throwback moment there. But, it's interesting, too, about that because I only associate him these days with college football. And to go okay. back there to the Rafferty. Yeah. And, you know, also, I don't know where I hear his voice now, but it's not in for it's NBA college basketball. basketball. It's college, college basketball. basketball. That's what it is. So it's it's that you hear them in these different contexts and the voices are still, I mean, I mean they sound almost exactly like they do now, really. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 truly remarkable. Rafferty's barely changed at all um, from from back then to more recent listens of him. Um, but the the reason we're watching this game is that Magic scored 21 points and had 20 assists. He it was it was incredible just to watch Magic's game and be reminded of how it worked. You know, one of the most obvious things is that, I mean, he plays point guard with his back to the basket. How, how many point guards in the history of the NBA played with their back to the basket almost the entire time? I mean, I'm young, but I'm thinking of Andre Miller as a yeah. more recent example. I don't know about if better, players that were better than that. Yeah, not. I mean, just not a lot. It was a distinctive style of play that worked with his you know, just body size, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, but it's kind of odd to watch now the way he initiated the offense from that. And it's just, yeah, Andre Miller, but we just, uh, I can't think of anybody now is anybody who handles the ball that much doing that now. I mean, now you go ahead, Kyle. I was just gonna say, it was interesting to me because I feel like he really went into that mode of play in the second half, or at least in the second quarter, in the first half, it was all fast break. Magic oh, wow. had, yeah. and Magic hadn't even really taken a shot. He didn't score his first points until the very. When I saw the twenty twenty number, you know, twenty sure. points is, isn't that much. But 
you just didn't wouldn't get the sense of kind of how it played out, which is that he basically didn't score, and he was kind <laughs> yeah. of besides some really brilliant passes, he was he was kind of silent in the first quarter. It was all yeah. Byron Scott. Byron yeah. Scott was hitting everything, and um, and then as the game went on, he just. You know, as you were mentioning, he he goes back to the basket, very methodical, um, lots of these no look passes, and yeah, I mean yeah. Jalen. Yeah. No, so, I was just gonna say, I think um, I think Magic had nine points with about six minutes left in the fourth yep. quarter, um, <laughs> yep. and and ended up with twenty, uh, which is uh, which is just amazing to see how he started taking over, like you said, scoring with his back to the basket. He started manipulating that sort of side pick and roll below or at the foul line area. You know, yeah. the defense would lean for him to go over it. They didn't want him to get middle where he could get to all his passes. So he started spinning back to the, towards the baseline on both sides of the court as well yeah. on either side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was impressive to see. And I think something for me, as I watch these games, as someone who's never seen these games before, honestly, um, I mean, honestly, when I was watching this game, I was kind of like, this looks more modern than the game we watched last week. Uh, it did. I completely agree. Except it, for the except for Ke- Kevin Johnson hitting the first Suns three pointer with like three minutes left to go. Quarter, yeah. yeah, three <laughs> minutes left to go in the yeah. fourth quarter. But but there were lots of instances like the the movement of this game looked more like a game today than the game from 94 that we watched yeah. last week and then you heard Rafferty at multiple points especially with the Lakers talking about their offense and their spacing and the way they went inside and outside and were getting those open threes and talking about the shooters that the Lakers had this was almost a team that could have played today Yeah, there were so many ways in which it felt more modern. I mean, there was more physicality allowed, as we talked about last week. Um, There was a really quick whistle, and there was a lot of illegal defense and hand-checking calls. And this game, it seemed like they were sort of walking the line between illegal defense, what was illegal defense by the rules. There was a lot of help defense. Um, You can't get called for illegal defense on the strong side of the ball, but... Uh, there would be times where they'd try to enter the ball in the post and the guy guarding the ball would just back up almost into the post player to prevent the entry pass. Um, you could just see these like advanced mechanism to yeah. leverage or, or attack the offensive player's weaknesses. Um, and they were getting out in transition and running the break extremely well. Yeah. Um, and the spacing, as you talked about, the, the Lakers were like really aware. They had this supernatural yeah. <laughs> awareness of spacing um, on their team, both on the break and um, in the half court, in which I felt like that didn't really exist in the game in the in the Hornets magic game that we watched in ninety four. It was it was somehow even more cramped than this than this game seemed. Right. It's I think some context helps explain it a little bit though, because so did we mention that the Lakers in this this game in winning sweep the series but right. the series was a lot closer than that in fact the suns had a lead in every fourth quarter up until this one when wow. they came in with a big deficit and ended up cutting it down to two points with like a minute, a left. minute yeah. right around a minute left, seconds, right? yeah and so they they were two really you know evenly matched teams for a you know for a sweep and they were playing at a very very high level and the game that we watched last time was only the third game of the season right 
for for them. And I think that you know that was you know part of what we're seeing here. One of the things that you know why I I guess what I'm trying to say is if we watched the 1994 playoffs, for instance, right. those sure. Magic teams in the playoffs um, in their you know best season, if we might have well, which would have been the 95 playoffs, um, if we would have seen something that we consider to be sort of more modern and competitive. Right. Well, I do part- think. I, yeah, go, Jalen. No, I was just gonna say I do think there's something there, though. I mean, I haven't done the historical research about it, but there was like, um, I think there was in some ways in which the NBA's uh, peak in popularity around the Jordan years also coincided about towards the end of Jordan's years with a nadir in talent. Um, and I <laughs> yeah. think there is something that there. Um, and the the players in this in this game, the Lakers and Suns game, seem really skilled. Um, it yeah. seemed like everyone was making their free throws and looked extremely comfortable at the free throw line, uh, where that was not the case in the Magic Hornets <laughs> true, game. True. Um, yeah. Just just the smoothness of everyone's jumpers and the skills, even the sort of unskilled players who were sort of hesitant to shoot from the outside. Their um, pivot game and jab step game, their drive game, um, everyone's like court awareness. It just seemed it seemed like the athletes were better and everyone. But even that uh, this whole Lakers team was felt, as we like to say on this pod, Um, (laughs) everyone was ripped um, in in ways that I think that they weren't in that game. There there was much more definition to these players. Uh, So it was it was interesting for me to see. Well, it's inter- this is an inter- this game is an interesting point in time too, and you hear the announcers call it out at different points. This is essentially the end of the Lakers Showtime, you know, as it really was. They, they you know, this was a twelfth game in a row they won in the nineteen eighty nine playoffs, and it's the last game they win in the nineteen eighty nine playoffs. You can see Kareem slow you can see you know we saw the injury to well a minor injury to magic in this game um you there were other things like that where you can just see these are the last gasps of this particular franchise and play and at the same time you have a sons team that is really young and new they had pivoted out of an old um set of players i can't remember what the trade is now but in this year um, the, in this basketball season, the Phoenix Suns won Coach of the Year with Cotton Fitzsimmons. They were had exec of, exec of the Year with Jerry Coangelo. So like that was him back then. Kevin Johnson was most improved. Eddie Johnson was Sixth Man of the Year. They were 27 wins over the previous year. This was a young team on the rise and, and sort of was the birth of this Suns team that was pretty good through a decent section of the 90s. Um, so it was interesting to see the Lakers on the way down, uh, the Suns on the way up, and it's the Lakers on the way down that allows the Pistons rise, which then gives way to the Bulls rise. So there, there's some interesting history sort of coming together and then moving away from this game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, as you said, I think the thing that we haven't really said yet is sort of Kareem in his last season in the NBA, um, yeah. his second to last series in the NBA, and you can see the um, age ages effect on him in this series. You know, I don't really know how he performed in the finals, but um, he didn't he didn't look great in this game. Although this is another thing, uh, both teams were kind of playing fairly small, basically, yeah. except Kareem. Uh, it's a Michael big part Thompson, of it. Michael Thompson is maybe the second tallest guy on the team and maybe, yeah, on the roster maybe, but definitely in this game. And he's a reserve. He's not playing 
Giannis. Um, and outside of Kareem, they don't have a real traditional like seven foot presence that we might think of at the center position. Um, so they've got they're, they're playing in this way that is like popular now. This yeah. everything <laughs> um, six eight to six six to six eight Swiss Army knife at every position. Um, and you know with Michael Cooper and AC Green and Orlando. Um, what a second quarter he had (laughs) five blocks you know off the bench five blocks i think it was just sort of four spectacular dunks athleticism at every turn it was kind of amazing my Um, favorite part was when he had his dunk waved off when he grabbed the behind part (laughs) of the backboard to give him just a little bit more hang time to reach out and put it down man he, yeah, that's clever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let um, I, I realized I didn't even give the starting lineups here. So I'm going to give us a little rundown so we can play off of that as we move forward. But the Lakers, Magic Johnson, Byron Scott. Um, Byron Scott, uh, to, to go back to Kyle's point, 35 points in this game. James Worthy put in a solid 43 minutes. A.C. Green, who I most remember for um, publicly coming out as a virgin. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> only had 10 minutes. Sorry. That was me, everybody. Uh, um, uh, Kareem only got that. Orlando Woolrich was awesome off the bench. Michael Cooper, in a former amazing dad, Michael Thompson, off the bench for the Lakers, too. For the Suns, you have Kevin Johnson putting up 22 and 10 in 34 minutes. Tom Changers. Um, 41 and 13, amazing efficiency, even though it looks like he's throwing up wild shots half the time. Like, I can't even understand what he's doing sometimes, but it seemed to work. Tyrone Corbin at the four, Mark West at the five, Eddie Johnson coming off the bench, Dan Marley and Armin Gilliam Gilliam coming off the bench for the Suns. I mean, really just some amazing plays and players, some, uh, just the numbers that went up in this game. I mean, we called out Magic's 21 and 20, but we didn't mention Byron Scott's 35, Tom Chambers 41 and 13. Tom Chambers was a revelation. I was stunned to look at the box score afterward and see how efficient he was because he looked wild and nuts at certain times, throwing up a couple of shots that, you know, hit the backboard two feet from the rim and just were nowhere close. Uh, so it was just, uh, just a really odd juxtaposition to see what he was doing out there, but then to realize how good and efficient yeah. it actually was. And the exact number on that was 60%, uh, 607 wow. from the field. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that, that was a surprise. This game made me think about something, um, which I guess it makes sense if Jerry Colangelo has been – um, in the managerial suite for most of the time, but the Suns, uh, this Suns team, um, according to Basketball Reference, uh, was third in pace that season. Okay, uh, 104.5 uh, possessions per game. Uh, and yeah, that's just interesting that they seem to have basically play the same way for yep. <laughs> 20 years pretty much you know just trying to be the on the forefront of pace um yeah, obviously I mean, they hired d'antoni and get steve nash and yeah uh, they have that era of basketball they did the three point guards thing in later years in recent years with isaiah thomas and gordon Dragic and eric bledsoe um was it bledsoe or was it uh brandon knight by then i can't remember they were on the same team. Oh, they were all, yeah. yeah, they were on the team together. And then Brandon Knight left and then 
so it was did you mention Isaiah Thomas too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. the third, right? Yeah, so I mean it was just interesting because the reason that I looked that up is because Rafferty is talking about their pace of play and how they need to get out uh, in transition to have a chance against this Lakers defense. And I think that was completely true. I mean, yeah. when, whenever they got down double digits, it was because they were in the half court and the uh, Lakers size. It seemed like this was, I don't know, Hornacek is a smaller guard. Kevin Johnson was a smaller guard. And I think they seem to be bothered by the length of the Lakers because the Lakers yeah. smaller players were Byron Scott, who I think was six, five. And then everyone else was pretty much, you know, six, six and, and taller. Um, and they seem to be giving uh, some trouble to those smaller guys, especially uh, Kevin Johnson, when he would drive into the paint and try to score in the paint. Um, and yeah, so it was just, it was just interesting. I, like I said, I think that was the right, description of what they needed to do um and i was like well why is that the case and then you know i just saw as always the sons like to get out and run yeah no i mean yeah, it's crazy and they forced was- they they forced the lakers i mean i'm assuming that you know the way i was viewing it was when they take mark west off it means that kareem just has really no role to play right. and i mean it was a version of being played off the court that we see now I think, in a sense, and or a version of we may not need Kareem this game. Let's just <laughs> let's sit him and save him for the finals. So it was a yeah. little hard to tell what was happening there. Yeah, it was sort of a tease after the first possession as someone who had never <laughs> right? watched this game before. I was like, oh, yeah, first possession, entry pass to Kareem, <laughs> skyhook, buckets. You know, this is what we're going to see for 48 minutes. But that's not how it went. Yep. Yeah, no, I think maybe at some point we should go back to Lou Alcindor's first game, uh, too. I think some more uh, the real Kareem that just absolutely dominated people. Uh, th- this is a shadow of his 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 self. Uh, you know, ten years before this, it was it was exactly what you're describing, and it was relentless, and it didn't stop, and nobody could touch that shot. And yeah, we just saw tiny tiny little bits of it here in this game. Yeah. So before we, I mean, we were like all moving on, but I guess I was going to say Sun's team, um, he doesn't play in the game. Uh, really? Yep. I didn't even notice. Yep. He's on yeah, the they bench. Only went eight deep. He's in street clothes on the bench. They, they, okay. they, the camera, uh, you know, cut away to him at one point. He was on the sidelines with um, another, another guy who was in street clothes. Yeah, they seem to. Yeah, they they didn't really go very deep, as you say, Michael, in this game. Um, and I guess that's why players like well, the Suns didn't play their players as much as the Lakers. Chambers played forty five minutes, but you know, for the Lakers, Worthy played forty three, Magic played forty one minutes, Byron Squ- Byron Scott played thirty nine minutes. Um, so that was well, they, interesting to see. Each each team only played eight players. Yeah, yeah eight, eight for both. And then, I mean, a couple of those, Mark West only got 13 minutes. Kareem only got 10 minutes. Everybody else is 20 and over. Yeah, and it was interesting for me watching Byron Scott just ball out. You know, he was on fire yeah. in, the, in the first <laughs> quarter, knocking down everything. And it was like, I felt like I was watching, like, I felt like I was watching Glory Road with the way the basket <laughs> sounds. Like they, the sound was like I don't know. They mirrored that sound in that movie, and yeah. I guess general '80s basketball movies extremely well. I don't know what it was about the rim, but they got that sound of the rim when someone dunks or grabs the rim or something. And I felt like Byron Scott was embodying like 
80s basketball to the fullest with his super short shorts and the way he was rising up off of one leg in transition for dunks like every fast break he was could like, get he was, up he was not passing it he was just gonna sky and like wait for you to go down and he's he was still gonna be up <laughs> yep. there he was gonna dunk it or lay it up so that was interesting to me because byron scott you know as a person as a concept as a thing in the nba has been <laughs> a failed coach for me that's basically my only concept of him yeah, there was a time when he was absolutely amazing, and 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 it, and it happened in that game. Um, and he did have the shortest shorts, right? I mean, they were somehow shorter than everybody else's short shorts. I'm not sure how, um, what sort of options they were given, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not going to see that anymore. Uh, yeah, we were a couple of years before Fab Five here. I mean, all the shorts were short. <laughs> The shorts were short, the socks were long, the curls were curly and wet. Um, Yeah, Yeah, there was some awesome, I mean, talking about wet, Riley's hair? Like, it's just (laughs) such, like, it's this classic, unforgettable thing. Uh, Yeah, And, and, you know, there were high school coaches and college coaches all over the world imitating the Pat Riley. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, my brother had some version of that as a high school basketball coach. I'm not, I can't document that or prove it anymore. I doubt there are photos, but everybody was taking on that look and um, it gets a little old. Fun aside. So, you know, that, uh, that sort of like slicked onyx hair that uh, Riley has then before any of the gray has shown up. um, The, uh, the gorilla, one of his, so, so (laughs) I was, you know, they, between the third and the fourth quarter, they they replay the break when the when the gorilla does when go does his uh his like gymnastic flipping dunk right and uh so i I did a little bit of historical research on it wondering sort of where we are in the history of the gorilla and the answer is that we're right at the beginning of the second gorilla so the first gorilla, so first gorilla comes along in 1980, just shows up at a game for like a birthday or something like this, and was like hired by somebody to come. Um, but he he ended up doing some you know some dances and stuff for the crowd and everything. And Colangelo was like, uh, hire this guy, and. <laughs> They did. And he he walked away at the end of the 1988 season and the Suns are like, we've got to replace this fan favorite. And so they did these tryouts and ended up hiring an Arizona State gymnast, um, Bob Wolf, who actually retired from it in 2006 and then came back recently in like 2012 or something like this. Um, But in any case, this was his first season doing this and one of the things that um that uh the gorilla also did was um he liked to poke fun at um rival coaches and um would do the slick back riley gorilla nice, <laughs> nice. love it the don Padrino, <laughs> the godfather that's the that's riley's look now and forever it's well and and he still has it right doesn't yeah, he, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Pretty much the what, same look. It's all gray, but it's pretty much the same look. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's never letting it go. 
um, some other tie-ins to current basketball. Joey Crawford is the one who teased yeah. up Pat Riley in this game. <laughs> <Yep>. uh, <faithful laughs> and even back then, they called ways. yeah. Even back then, they called him part of a veteran crew. <laughs> <laughs> For his entire re- career, he's been a veteran uh, referee. Um, yeah, I love. The, there were other things. Um, I can't remember. If, did we talk about Michael Thompson much besides? Yeah, Clay's dad. Clay's dad shows up in this game, and one of the fascinating things to me after our game last week, in which we saw Del Curry, who's you know a precursor, an obvious physical precursor, form precursor for Steph Curry, we see Michael Thompson in this game. His game is absolutely nothing like Clay Thompson's game at all in any way. Right? I mean, completely different position, but also I saw no actual, no other remnant. I, I saw no remnants of Clay or Michael in Clay. I see none. It's just a big bonedness. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, Clay, Clay strong has as this, hell, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Clay has that ability to guard up a position, you know, and guard threes and fours, and I think that's probably where it comes from. Um, so yeah, I mean, other than that, like you say, there's not much resemblance. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was there. Um, one of the other things that I, uh, found James Brown on the sidelines, he's a sideline reporter at this point in his career. That was sort of funny. Um, I, did you guys catch that it was Brent Musburger's birthday? I thought of this because of the gorilla he brings out a cake, some candles get blown out. Um, People booed Brent Musburger's yeah. 50th birthday. What was that about? I couldn't even understand it. What, what, what was wrong with Brent Musburger back then? People, like, any idea? Probably just seen as a Laker homer, don't you think? Yeah. Would that be the reason? I'm, I'm, I'm only speculating, but, you know, it is, it's a home Suns game. And, uh, and they, they, at one point, um, they, Gosh, I wish I could remember the context of this, but they started shouting "Beat LA" when yeah. Uh, yeah, when yeah. Magic was taking free throws, um, and it was a particularly chippy moment. I mean, we could talk about that too. The game got well, let's get into the chippy certain, stuff. Couple, yeah. yeah, it's key to what and happens next. The I mean, it started at least as far as I could tell. It started at the moment when um, Kevin Johnson takes. Um, he steals the ball with what now would have been a clear path. And right. he gets he gets wrapped up by magic yeah. um, around half court. Yeah. Um, and he walks away from it. Uh, this is KJ, walks away from it, none too pleased. And right. um, and they call a timeout after that, and people are still stewing, and in some you know, subsequent um you know, plays after that. I remember that there's a, I just remember there's a moment when um, Chambers ends up pushing his defender into magic. I think it's Michael Cooper. Yeah. Magic drives, Chambers pushes Michael Cooper into slash under magic and they, they run into each other. Magic falls and sort of grabs at the small of his back. Yeah. On the left side is, key. and that's the part that like <laughs> touches it off. Right. So there yep. you have those like two moments. And then kind of after that, 
there's just like a while of stewing among and, them. And also the fan, uh, the fans throw something on the floor, right? Uh, right. Apparently, and that's that upsets Chambers. It seems to no end. You know, he's livid, and the the referee is grabbing him quite forcefully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In that in that exchange, it's it's really interesting. No, it had really quickly become a really volatile environment, and exactly the kind of game a championship team like the Lakers don't want to be in. Uh, you, you know, and and we see, um, you know. Magic falls. You see him visibly grab his lower back on the left side, knowing that he uh, pulls his hamstring in game two of the finals. I went and Googled Magic Johnson, you know, hamstring injury, NBA finals game two. It pops up. It's his left hamstring. So, you know, that area he grabs is is nearly directly tied to the hamstring there. Guarantee that that injury he suffers in game two comes out of this injury from game four of the Western Conference Finals. Like, that is the – and so we have Kareem on the way down, just career-wise. We have some other old guys here. Michael Cooper's already, you know, coming off the bench rather than starting anymore. And – then we have the beginning of um, magic falling apart there. And yeah, it's, it's this would uh, be a good basketball time to, history changes there. Yeah. And it'd be a good time to mention that in the late third quarter as well, um, Byron Scott is driving and knocks knees with Kevin Johnson. Yeah. And at that point, um, Musburger mentions that um, Byron Scott had um, suffered a, a, what they called a toenail injury earlier in the series, which um, had had him banged up. Um, and then, of course, he knocks knees with with KJ and ends up having to go out for that. And he, right. he sits on the bench um, for, you know, a couple sequences. Um, he does come back into the game and plays well, but then he would, he too would go on and suffer a hamstring injury between the two series. Because right. one of the other things that happened is that the Lakers in sweeping and um, had a week off before the end of the, the Pistons Bulls series. Um, there are a couple interesting things I found about that. I, I felt like the, Musburger um, and Rafferty wanted like wanted to see the Bulls win. There was like a there's the weird sort of feeling oh, I had you about can hear it. That, yeah, yeah, where they like they really really wanted to see that happen. And um, well, and is this the I also beginning of the Michael Jordan narrative because it comes up in the MVP conversation too, which Magic wins and MJ's third that season, Barkley's second if I'm remembering correctly, and like it's part of that narrative, isn't it? And it's one of the closest in history too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was very much so. And it, it, I found all of those things interesting because you you have this moment when so much is it, it's it's so volatile and things are poised to change very quickly. First changing to the Lakers being swept in the next series by the Pistons um and the Pistons then starting a two-year streak um and of course um it really pointed out to me like how awesome the Pistons were that they were able to continue to beat these Bulls teams. Also, those Bulls teams were 2-0 and against the Lakers uh, where that Bulls team was 2-0 and against right. the Lakers in the regular season that year. Right. And so... You, you, they've clearly proven themselves to be a very high level team and the Pistons continue to be not only this, this year, but next year as well. 
And yeah. uh, and I also just wanted to say that because it, it wasn't entirely the end of Showtime because Magic would take them back in sure. 92. Um, they'd get swept or they'd go down 4-1 to the Bulls that year for Jordan's first ch- championship. Right. But they had a little bit more run in them yeah i mean those were sort of some last gaffes and all of that i think we're already seeing sort of the end of that greatness um and you know they're calling it out the whole game the the the, the lakers three peat that they're on their way to they've won you know it's a 12th game in a row they would have won you know they're expecting the lakers to make that run still they said, at, they in said that game they said three peat a lot. That, that <laughs> was that was a repeated line. They, I mean, it really that was there was an air of inevitability about it. Yeah, and as a Pistons fan, hearing it now, obviously I couldn't not hear. I mean, I heard every single one of those three peat callouts, which I now know to be wrong. And yeah, it's sort of it's interesting to go back and see those narratives that are so strong and just carry through these games, even when something else is clearly happening on the court in front of their very eyes like that wasn't you you know you saw a crumbling championship a championship team right there can i pose a question to you because uh you were saying about the suns um that you really felt that they were overmatched against the lakers um but they were obviously also the narrative about them at this moment is that they're an up-and-coming team they're young they're fast um does it surprise you at all that it took them until 93 to get back to a position where they would be going potentially to the finals? It does. I and mean, I think, um, you know, it's interesting. Those numbers I called out of Chambers, he had this season was good, 89 and 90 was good. There's a drop off for him after that. And so I think, you know, there were some... Um, team makeup issues that they were addressing there. I mean, he continued to play with Phoenix for a few more seasons. Um, who, what players came in there? Do you remember? I mean, Barkley did. Barkley, of course. Well, that it was, was a big one for yeah. 93. Yeah. So like, that makes sense. I mean, I look at this Phoenix team in this 1989 year, they look great. They're getting up and down the court. It's kind of amazing to watch, but I just don't see it. I don't see a championship team. Um, the, the most fascinating thing to me is what that this was a true precursor, and Showtime also, in a way, a precursor to the game today. The, like that was the really surprising thing that came out of this for me. I just didn't. I wasn't expecting that piece. Yeah, I think I'm on. Uh, I'm in the same line of thought with you there um, as a precursor for what we see today. Um, on on the Tom Chambers point, he has four All Star seasons, if I have that right from Basketball okay. Reference. And uh, as you said, this season, next season All Star, and then the ninety ninety one season All Star. But he was down to nineteen point nine points by then. As you said, there's a drop off, and he's uh, yeah. third. He's thirty one in ninety and ninety one. So I think it's an age related decline. And yeah. if he's the best player on the team, you know, I don't know off the top of my head when Barkley arrives but that could be part of the problem I'm sure by the I'm sure by the end of his time there uh for for Tom Chambers that Kevin Johnson was I mean Kevin Johnson averaged 23 points five rebounds and 13 assists in the 1989 playoffs I mean those are pretty incredible numbers yeah, he also yeah. he reminded me a little bit of Curry when when and he, when, just when he tried to dunk 
the way that they the way that they kind of like <laughs> he, stop powered, he powered up when they stop beneath the basket and go up with two feet you know yeah there's yeah. a gather and a, yeah and I think there's a point there watching him play against this Lakers team uh he seemed sort of boxed in because he didn't really have a reliable jump shot um to go to he didn't have a three point shot to go to he was sort of insistent upon getting to the rim um and the Lakers are doing a really good job of packing the paint of you know helping on his drives and like making it tough for him to find shooters when he drove and making it tough for him to finish inside um, right. He did not shoot the three well in his career. He was a uh-uh. career thirty percent three point shooter, um, and in this season, in the regular season, <laughs> uh, he shot point zero nine one percent from three. Oh my so, god! Oh uh, my god! Yeah, on well, not, not very clear. few attempts a game. What was it? Point three attempts a game. Yeah, yeah. His three point numbers are crazy bad, given that he was a very good free throw shooter. Um, and it's worth, it's worth noting that the Suns took 11 three pointers in this game. And I bet you six of those came in the final minutes when they were trying to yeah. cut into that lead. It was not a part of their game plan. Yeah. Sure. Which is sure. odd, which is odd given that they were pretty much playing small the entire time, uh, you know, outside of Mark West and, who was whoever was their backup center um but i mean they're using gilliam uh yeah they were using what's the guy's name maher um marley well marley would go on to a fairly good three-point shooting career i mean and he would shoot he would shoot a couple seasons up in the yep i'm seeing right here in the high 30s he shot 38 38 38 37 um which I think in that era from 19, those all came from 1991 to 1995. Um, well, I think that's Do you fairly remember good. Marley, Kyle? Because he, I do. He, played, he, was a yeah, he grew up in Michigan and yeah, yeah, played at Central Michigan University, a Chippewa. So um, he, was, he was sort of a hometown hero for a while and just a guy we paid attention to because he was from Michigan. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I think yeah. my take was Jeff Hornacek should have played a lot less in this game. They should have played Marley more. He, I, th- I feel like he matched up better with Magic in Definitely. terms of his size, and Hornacek seemed to kind of get swallowed up. Um, and yeah, they definitely should have been taking more threes and I was just really impressed with the, the Lakers, you know, how can you not be impressed with magic, but the way that they're sort of, they're running, you know, a high level weave on the fast break every single time they get <laughs> yeah. down, they're like <laughs> curling around one another to make sure that they have the proper spacing to put the pressure on the defense to make tough decisions. Um, they're back cutting as soon as a, a defender goes to double, yeah. uh, they're sort of smartly like testing the limits of the legal defense rules and like helping off of people um you know as i said they they had a swiss army knife team of guys that are sort of similarly sized players they could switch across positions they're all long basically everyone on the team seemed to bring the ball up at some point Um, (laughs) yeah or orlando brought the ball up at one point um michael cooper magic obviously byron scott did not well uh, even even kareem tried at one point yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, Byron Scott didn't do too well bringing the ball up against Kevin Johnson, but, um, you know, everyone sort of had a diverse skill set and it was, it was fun to see. It, it was a fun brand of basketball. I don't, I can look it up here to see what the exact numbers were, but I think they probably missed like two free throws the entire game. 
Um, the Lakers with yeah. 24 for 26. They missed yeah. two free throws, 92%. It was incredible. And Amy Magic's scoring came late in part. He was eight for eight for the free th- from the free throw line. And I think his three-pointer came late too. I can't quite remember. But um, yeah, they put up really efficient numbers. Their field goal percentage for the game, the Lakers, 55%. Like that's, you know, and, and 60% from three, six for 10. Um so it was, yeah. yeah, it was it was an interesting game. It was definitely a precursor to now. Um, I think those are all my big, weird highlights that I could pull out. Um, Something that was odd was uh, Musburger was giving us golf highlights in the middle oh, of an yeah. uh, NBA Western Conference uh, finals game, which seems so odd to me. Um, I mean, nowadays, if there's like a major in another sport or a football playoff game, they'll like mention it very quickly. But he was giving us sort of play by play what's happening. Uh, We'll let you know as soon as it's over sort of thing. And I looked it up and it was the Bell South Atlanta Classic. It wasn't like the Masters. I'd never heard of it before. I'd never (laughs) heard of it. And yeah. Was this, were we at some sort of peak in golf's popularity in this country? My best guess is he's just a golf fan and had it on a screen and was telling us because it was yeah. what he wanted to do. I couldn't figure out why that was happening either, unless it was some advertising bit that was being worked in. So that that was definitely an odd bit. Um, yeah, and, and <laughs> there were a lot of there. Yeah, a lot, a lot of odd, odd bits here. Um, Kyle, did you have more you wanted to say? No, I mean. Uh- I liked watching it. Um, I think, uh, you know, you were you were talking about maybe watching some early Kareem um, because we're seeing, you know, she's four games away from retiring right, right. now. And uh, I'll be honest, I am. I'm thinking of going between that um, Kareem's uh-huh. first game, which is what, 1970 um, and somewhere around there. Yeah, but yeah. the other the other one that I was thinking of was that Celtics Lakers game four, 1963 or whatever it is. Um, I started watching just a little bit of it and it is disorienting. They haven't figured out, (laughs) they haven't figured out how to do the camera work yet. I'm like almost more interested in watching it just to like talk a little bit about how, how absolutely like unconventional their, way of filming it was um so um no i don't really i don't really i I think um i'm looking forward to the next one um i'm looking forward to bringing on some guests some people who are in the fantasy league are interested in joining us for some hometown conversations um here and there um on that point kyle i thought i noticed that this broadcast seemed to do a much better job of putting the score up um you know keeping track of everything there were these sort of packaged um we didn't obviously didn't see the commercials but the lead-ins and the exits of the commercials we got to see with the score up and the names of the announcers the names of the coach we got to see an interview um after halftime which we didn't see uh which might just be like a formatting the way it's shown to us now but um, no it's it's all it's just this is showtime lakers in the playoffs and we were watching a regular season game before i bet you that they just didn't have the personnel around to really do it and and it just wasn't as big a production as what it yeah. is when, when you've got a major network putting on 
You yeah, know, I mean, I game. think this, it, it reminded me of, like, the never-ending conversation about the league's um, ratings decline this year um, and how everyone is sort of pining for and longing for that a production. You know, they're longing for this, this CBS-level production that we used to see, Showtime, we, we, you know, um, NBA Tonight, um, you know, just the lead-in music and, and all this sorts of things that people um, have come to love and, like, is attached to their childhood in a lot of ways. Um, and it was definitely, there was a clear difference between, like, the production level in this game versus the other game. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like um, going forward uh you know, in the playoffs and see if, if we see that level of production in other games. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I realizing now I do have one more thing. I didn't mention this. One of the reasons we were watching this game is magic was my first real basketball hero. I watched magic play in 1977. If you can place that year, that was the year the Lansing Everett Vikings won the state championship. So like, <laughs> I saw him play in high school. I got his autograph mm. in the stands while he was watching the JV team play in a, in a game against Waverly where I went to high school you know, a couple miles down the road. So I saw him there. I watched him through Michigan State. I stayed up late and watched those playoff games that we saw on tape delay when he started with the Lakers back then. So this game for me was just a huge treat just to see Magic playing, remember that style, see that style again, just a whole different rhythm and game than I've pretty much seen from anybody ever, uh, you know, in this game. So I just loved going back and seeing that. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing more of that with some of these early games. Dr. J's coming up next for me somehow, somewhere, yeah. some game. Yeah. I, the, you almost make me want to do my original choice was to, which was to do something from the 90s because it was so formative to watch 90s yeah. games um but who knows we'll talk about we'll get it. we're gonna we'll get do to we're, gonna, we're gonna do some we're gonna do some 90s we're gonna <laughs> you know we're gonna have fun whatever it is yeah yeah so all right i think uh that is it from your friends at the shot tower pod we are turning off the phantom power cheers <laughs>